Well, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 15. If you don't have a Bible, you're certainly welcome to grab one over there. You can raise your hand. Looks like Jenny will grab one for you too. Um, and if you don't have one at home, feel free to take one. Um, and if you need a different kind at home, let us know. We'd love to get you a Bible. If, if there's one thing that we can do that we just love, love, love to do, it's to make sure you have a Bible that's something that you can read um, and study God's Word in. So Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 15. I just realized I didn't take off my jacket, but I'm going to just stay that way. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. God, help us to understand your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm a follower of Jesus, in case you didn't realize that. And it means so much more than following somebody on Instagram. You know, on, on Instagram, you follow somebody, or on Facebook, you follow somebody, on Twitter, you follow somebody, you're just kind of following the feed of activity that they're doing. And certainly, as a follower of Jesus, I observe what Jesus is doing, and I hope you do too. Paying attention, what is Jesus doing in the world around me? What's Jesus doing in my life? Sometimes I need to pay more attention to that. Um, when that guy is cutting me off in traffic, I, Jesus, what are you doing actually in their life? You know, if I could just know, if he could just give me a feed to tell me exactly what's going on, maybe I'd be less upset about things that are going on around me. But certainly being a Jesus follower is more than just observing what Jesus is doing. I want my life to be patterned after Jesus' life, right? I, I want to look at what Jesus did. And model my life after that. I want to understand, why did Jesus do what he did? And as Jesus is directing me now in my life, I want to be obedient to the direction that he is leading. I want to walk. That's how we talk about, and the Bible talks about living out your life, walking. I want to walk with Jesus as a follower of Jesus. Now, one of the cool things about being a follower of Jesus is that everything I need, every resource I need in order to be able to follow Him, in order to be able to walk with Him, He has provided. I have all of that in Jesus. And we're going to see some of that this morning. See, Matthew here is observing some of Jesus' behavior. And he's looking then and saying, look, that behavior, that's connected to what was prophesied about Jesus. And that prophecy was hundreds of years, six, seven hundred years before this time that Jesus um, was walking on, on the earth. He's, saying, he's connecting now. He's saying, look, this behavior of Jesus, this was prophesied about. He's noticing Jesus' behavior. I want to notice Jesus' behavior, and I want to ask the question, is this something I need to follow, something important for me to pay attention to? So this passage actually is, Jesus is reacting to what happened just previously, what we looked at last week. So if I go back to verse 14, um, if you recall, Jesus and his disciples had gone through grain fields, and on the Sabbath they were picking grain to eat, and the Pharisees got after them saying, you shouldn't do that on the Sabbath, that's working on the Sabbath. And Jesus in all his wisdom responded to them, and then he went into the synagogue, into their synagogue, and 
And then they thought, we can catch him now. We've got this guy who, who um, has a, a hand that, that needs to be healed. And saying, Jesus, is it, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, knowing that he was going to heal just as he did every other person he came across? And Jesus, in his wisdom, responded to them, and he went ahead and healed the man. And then we have kind of their response to all of that in verse 14. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So then in verse 15, Jesus, aware of this, aware that they are conspiring on how to destroy him, withdrew from there. And many followed him, and he healed them all. He healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. And then Matthew points out this behavior, what Jesus was doing, was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. What's the behavior? Well, first, he withdrew from there. He walked away. What would I have done? The injustice of the Pharisees. Just relentless. uh, First they're getting after him in the fields, then they knew he would heal a man who was sick and tried to use that against him. I Just consider that. And then now they're conspiring on how to destroy him. You ever had somebody wrongfully accusing, wrongfully going after you? Boy, we are no more sensitive to justice than when it's injustice against us, right? People need to know. But no, he withdrew. That's one of the behaviors here. And many followed him. He healed them all. The ones that followed him, he continued to heal. He healed them all. And he told them not to make him know. There's the behavior. And Matthew says this is all to fulfill what was spoken. He makes a connection to what the prophet Isaiah said. So here's, let's look again. What, what did the prophet Isaiah say? In verse 18, behold, my servant whom I have chosen. So Isaiah is a prophet. And so he's speaking on behalf of the Father, of God. And so this is really the voice speaking is God. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Now that sounds pretty good. If you're not familiar with Bible language, Gentiles, when it talks about Gentiles, it's talking about everybody who's not a Jew. So unless you're Jewish, that would be you and me, uh, Gentiles, all the nations, that's, that's the Gentiles. He will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Boy, these last couple of years, that sounds good. If Jesus would come and proclaim justice, boy, just even the word justice has been a confusing topic And and there's so much injustice. Yes, Jesus, come and proclaim justice. And I'm sure they, when they read that prophecy, the same Pharisees that were going after Jesus, they were experts in, in the Old Testament Scripture. When they read that prophecy, they probably said, yes, come declare justice to the Gentiles. Overthrow the Romans. Right? Those that have taken our land, that have taken our rule and reign of our people, proclaim justice. And in verse 19, he will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. What's that about? What is there to quarrel about? What is there to cry out about? Well, what Matthew was just describing there, the, what's the word, incorrigible? I don't know. The, the, the Pharisees and their behavior, 
the injustice of the Pharisees, saying, he will not quarrel. Wait, that's opposite. Wait, he's going to declare justice, but he's not going to quarrel. He's not going to cry out in the streets. He's not going to declare the injustice. And then in verse 20, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. What is this justice Jesus is declaring to the Gentiles that he's bringing to victory? When we think about justice, usually we think about punishment, right? In the court system, justice results in some punishment. And most of the time, justice, really, that is, that's what's going on there. But really, justice is very closely tied to righteousness. And in the Bible, you got the same word going on there when we're trying to translate in English and Spanish. In Spanish, there's kind of the same word going on there as well between righteousness and justice. And I think in maybe our English thinking, we've separated those out. But justice is bringing things into what is good and right. Things that are not good and right... And, and bringing it to a place of where things are good and right. So if there's punishment that is deserved, the punishment is given. That's justice at work to bring things back to what is good and right. If there's, if there's reward that is deserved and not given, then that reward is given to bring things into order of what is good and right. And God's justice bring things, brings things perfectly into what is good and right according to God. What is the justice that Jesus is talking about? Bringing things into a place that's good and right. And at the same time, what he describes in 20, he says, a bruised reed he will not break. So as, as he is bringing justice to victory, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. What's the bruised reed and the smoldering wick? Remember back, I don't know if you remember, back when we were at the end of chapter 9, Jesus looked out at the crowds, probably similar crowds that are following here, and he's healing them all. What did he see when he looked at the crowds? He saw people that were harassed, and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. You remember the end of, more recently, end of chapter 11. Jesus is giving the invitation, Come all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Those are the bruised reeds. Those are the wicks that are about to go out. That's you and me, are the reeds. Uh, we're the ones broken. We're the ones whose lamp has run out of oil, whose wick is about gone. Blessed, Jesus said, are the poor in spirit, the bankrupt. You know, we want justice. There are so many things that are so wrong in the world around us that it would be good that they'd be set right. And I know God's heart for the weak. I know God's heart for the fatherless. And you want to see it made right, right? You know God's heart to see it made right. But as I go into the world and I say, this is wrong and this needs to be made right, there's a problem that I have. Is that if I take an honest look inside myself according to God's sense of everything is right, in myself things are not right. And if justice is to be done, 
what needs to be done to make things right in my life. What does that mean? There's things I've done no one else knows, right? There's things I would, I would like to hide. I'd rather not be known. And I never had to pay for them. That means justice was never done, right? Things deserving a punishment. And the kinds of things that, that I've done against God, there's probably, there, there is, absolutely, things in my life that I don't even realize that I have done to offend God who created me. That's, if you wonder what sin is, it's all of the things that I have done against God. Less than what He wants me to be. Less than what He requires of someone that He created. That's what sin is. And so when I look into my own life, there isn't justice there. Who am I to say to anyone else, justice needs to be done? How does sin, how is sin made right? The Bible tells us there's only one way. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. That, that big word, remission, it's, there's no legal correction. It can't be made right. It can't be justified. It can't, the, the, the sin can't be taken away without the shedding of blood. That's why in the Old Testament they had animal sacrifice. The only way to deal with sin is actually to kill something. What is the justice that Jesus is going to bring to victory that will not destroy the bruised reed or the smoldering wick? Because if justice were to come and be done in my life, I wouldn't survive that. And so Jesus was going to the cross. That's what the whole cross is about. Justice. Making things right so that through faith in Jesus Christ, not, not by me dealing with and paying for the punishment of sin, which can only be dealt with through the sacrifice of blood, through blood, but through Jesus' blood on the cross. That's what the whole cross was about. So that my sin could be dealt with. So that righteousness could be laid on my, upon my life. That justice would be done to make everything right. And balanced and good. And what God says is good and righteous in my life. Accomplished by what was on the cross. That is the justice that Jesus is bringing about that will not destroy the reed or the wick, but will in fact save it. There's three things that we're going to look at that are in Jesus. They're important for us to know as we're trying to follow Jesus. And the first here is that in Jesus, there is justice. If you're following along in the notes, got little fill-ins. In Jesus, there is justice. Hopefully, a new understanding in your mind of what justice is. In Jesus is everything we need to make things right. And so, as believers, as we go into the world, do you realize when you bring Jesus into the world, you're bringing the mechanism to accomplish justice. but not by screaming out injustice. See, Jesus goes to the one who is deserving of punishment and says, here is justice upon your life. It is the cross. And by my stripes, you are healed and forgiven. So we look to that person and we say, this person needs to be punished because of what they're doing, the wickedness that they are doing in this world. And Jesus says, yes, bring justice to that person. Bring the cross. 
so that they would be turned and healed. It's so backwards to my thinking. When I think justice, I think, no, here's what punishment needs to be dealt out. And Jesus says, no, the punishment has been dealt upon me. Bring the justice that I have to the world. Declare justice to the Gentiles. If I'm following Jesus, I need to do what he did. As we're opposed. As the world hates us back for representing Jesus. Do we cry out in the streets the injustice of that? Not if I'm following Jesus. I just find more opportunities to bring the cross, to declare justice. As Jesus' life progressed, he cried out less and less. He didn't defend himself in the least. As he's being falsely accused, betrayed, as he's there going before Pontius Pilate and, and the rest, you know, he is innocent and yet he is there saying nothing. How does he have the calm? Well, it's Jesus. We know it's Jesus. Of course, he can do that. And, and what we have in the description here at the beginning, it, it, it shows the context that Jesus is walking in, who he is. And in verse 18, behold, my servant. See, he's a servant, a perfect servant of the Father. Of course, everything worked out that he was able to just not speak out or cry out, that he's able to just go all the way, and he knew that it would be a success because he's a servant of the Father. The Father was the one guiding his steps. The Father was caring for him from the very beginning, even as, as Herod wanted to destroy him at every step of the way in his life. The Father, he, he was a servant of the Father, of course. It was going to work out. He didn't need to cry out. Chosen by the Father. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved Boy, the love of the Father for the Son. He was walking in the love of the Father. He didn't have to worry about anything. My beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. Where have we heard that before? Baptism. John, Jesus was baptized by John. And the heavens opened and you hear the voice the Father, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the context Jesus was walking in. He didn't need to cry out. He didn't need to defend himself. He was walking in the love and the purpose and the will of the Father. My beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him. At the baptism, what did we see? The, the heavens open and, and the Spirit of God like a dove descending upon him. Do you realize Jesus... He, he was in heaven with God eternally before any of this, right? He, he is God. All creation was made through Him, by Him, for Him. That's what, that's what Colossians tells us. That's who we're de dealing with in Jesus. But Jesus, it, being in the form of God there in heaven, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself, right? That's what, what we're celebrating at Christmas is, is God Almighty, the Son of God, emptying himself and becoming a man, walking in the weakness of man. At any point, he could have grasped his divine authority to do anything, to call angels. And this, is, this is the creator there walking, but he emptied himself and chose to walk in the same weakness that we walk in. And then the Father put His Spirit upon Him. The power that we see, Jesus working miracles and all, that's, that's the Spirit of God. The Spirit working. And Him just walking in the love of the Father, trusting the path of the Father, empowered by the Spirit of God. 
and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. Of course, Jesus, he had all that. But listen, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, believer, he's your Lord. You become his servant. Paul said, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus was the chosen servant of the Father, we are the chosen servants of Jesus Christ. He says, I chose you. So that the path that we're walking when we're following Jesus is a path ordained by God. It's a path that, that is sure to succeed because he has said it. Just as Jesus, as he was following the path of the Father, he didn't need to cry out. He could trust. As he's being accused, he didn't need to defend himself. No, because he was following the path of the Father. Now we follow a path that's been set before us if we are following Jesus. And do you know that you are loved by God. Jesus said, the same love that the Father has loved me, I love you. Now abide, live in, dwell in my love. You have the same love that you're walking in, that Jesus was walking in as he was walking in the beloved love of the Father. You have that. And believer, the same Spirit that descended from heaven like a dove upon Christ. The same Spirit that empowered Christ to every miracle that He did. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you, rests upon you. And so all you need to worry about is obeying the will of the Father just as Jesus did. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to worry about accusers, about those that would persecute and hurt, that would, would scheme to destroy you. You don't have to worry about any of that because you walk in the power of God through faith in Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit, is upon you. Here's the second thing that we have in Jesus. In Jesus there is justice, and in Jesus there is power. Everything you need to follow Him, to submit every part of your life to Him, He's given us. We have it through the Holy Spirit. Look at what, what happened. After Jesus rose uh, up to heaven, you know, he, he was still on earth for 40 days after he rose from the dead, but then, then he ascended into heaven. Look at Acts chapter 1. Here's what he told them right before he ascended in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What is it to be a witness of Christ? It's another way of saying to proclaim his justice, to proclaim the good news of what we have in the cross, that, that through Jesus Christ, through what he did on the cross, my life can be made right. Not by destroying my life through the punishment of my sin, but by placing my sin upon the cross. My sin is paid for. And before God, my life is made right. We have the power through the Holy Spirit to do exactly what He wants us to do, to follow Jesus. You know, we so often put or perceive barriers to doing what God wants us to do, don't we? I think I've probably dealt with all of them. I don't know. God, in order to do what you... And I, yes, I, I, can, I can do so many things for the Lord. Once I've, once I've got a good income going, and, I've, and I, you know, money is the thing, right? It, if, I've, if I've got the right amount of money, then I'll have extra money. I'll be able to use that money then 
to do something for God. Maybe time. I'm going to figure out the perfect job, and with that job, then I won't have to spend so much time working, and then I'll be able to really serve and do what Jesus wants. I'll be able to really follow Jesus then. These perceived barriers to following Jesus right now. You know, I love the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. Especially religious freedom. We're able to meet like this. Our kids can join us. We don't have to register ourselves with the state in order to do this. We're not like in China where the kids are not allowed to be a part of it. We don't have government cameras in. You know, it's, we have incredible freedom to worship. And I hope that that lasts a long time. And if ever I have a, a chance by my vote or anything else to preserve religious freedom, that's what I want to do. But I wonder sometimes if we have become so used to having that freedom that we depend on it. The only way the church can survive in our minds is with the religious freedoms that we have. That if we didn't have those things, somehow the cause of Christ would be halted. Is that true? No. We get so attached to civil liberties, religious freedoms, that I think sometimes our cause has become to retain those. That's what we need, and that's my cause now. My chief cause is to retain the freedoms that I have and miss the commission that we have by God, to proclaim justice to the Gentiles that needs no religious freedom to move forward, but moves forward by the power of God, miraculously. doesn't matter what stands in our way. But we want to declare injustice, and Jesus is saying, declare justice. We have little things that happen, and it's funny how you react to them. John and I, the other day, you know, we, it's a funny thing. It's a little thing. But, you know, our flyers for the two events we did. The first event, we had to change the flyer for, for one of the venues that we wanted to advertise through, right? Because it said God on the license plate. And you want to scream out from the streets, we have God on our money. Why can't I put God on a flyer? Right? But Jesus says, don't scream out. Look, there's opportunity to declare the justice of Christ through the cross. There's people there that need to hear that and need to know that. And then our second flyer was completely rejected because of our logo. that has a cross in it. I want to cry out of the injustice of that. Come on, this is America. We can put a cross. But no, Jesus said, no, don't cry out in the streets. Do we have to have that in order to move forward? Sometimes you feel like, boy, we're, our, our event, our thing, our, 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 our progress of the gospel is being halted because we don't have that liberty or that freedom. No, the only reason things move forward is because of the power of God to move it forward. We have the power through the Holy Spirit upon us. This church has power to move forward and to affect this community, not because of any liberty, freedom, or resource or anything else we have, but only because of the power of God through the Holy Spirit upon us. Boy, I'm so grateful for what God has given us. Boy, this place, we're still not paying anything for it. And I have to, 
I don't know if they're, they're listening. I have to sneak the bottles out to refill them with the gas for the heaters because they want to do that for us. We're blessed by them, but we're blessed by God. That's God's will at work, saying, I want to provide a place for you guys to meet in. We've been given, church, given land. It's unheard of. We didn't pay a penny for it, and yet it has yielded money to us through easement allocation, right? And, and, but I don't want to ever say, oh, this is the way that we will move forward because of this resource that we have and miss the fact that the only reason we have that resource is because God willed it. And by His power, we have it. And if that was to go away, He would provide the resource to move forward in whatever direction He has us go. It's by His power, by His might, this church moves forward, that this community is reached, that justice is proclaimed to our neighbors, justice through the cross of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, there is power when it gets personal. You need to know that. When someone's accusing you wrongly, you ever had that? Boy, you want to just get up and say, no, let me tell you and let other people know I was in the right. Don't do that. Jesus is your advocate. Jesus fully trusted the Father. And it was the Father, as Jesus humbled himself and went all the way to the cross, then the Father lifted him up. Let the Father do that. Let Jesus be your advocate. Let him be the one to take care of those things. You just focus on what he would have you do, knowing that you're walking in the miraculous, almighty power. Verse 21, the last part. Matthew's emphasizing this because if you go back and look in Isaiah, he kind of skips a little bit just to get to this part. He wants to make sure this part's in there. And he's kind of doing his own translation of it as well. This isn't the Septuagint here. This is Matthew translating the Hebrew into the Greek. Sorry for that language studies. But he emphasizes this. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. If you've paid attention to some of the conversation around statistics of these last couple of years, depression is at an all-time high. Suicide is up. Our kids sad how much depression has raised. Outlook of future is bleak to many people. Not, they don't have hope. What do they hope in? Here's the last thing that we have in Jesus. We have hope. In Jesus, there is hope. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter if, if the, the rug has been pulled out from underneath my life. Every resource that I had, every, every piece of, of every money, every friend, every, it, it, take everything that I need, that I perceive that I need in my life and, and take it away and if I have Jesus, I still have hope. Hope for tomorrow. Hope for next year. Hope for eternity. For me to walk, to live, and put in the forefront, the justice of Jesus Christ through the cross, not declaring injustice, not trying to point out those who need to be punished, but only bringing the cross. That's not something I can do on my own. I need to be walking close to Christ in order to do that. How important is it then to be in close relationship with Jesus in your life? 
for me to even begin to do that, I can't do that in my strength because what I want to do is to declare the injustice. I want to cry out in the streets. I want to let people know how I have been wronged, right? That, that's, that's what I'm going to do naturally. I can tell you I will still want to do that, even, even today and now as a pastor. And so what is necessary is that I need to be close to Jesus. How important is it that in my life I am walking, living close to Jesus? I need the power of Christ at work in my life. I need to know that He has tomorrow. How important it is that I spend time with Jesus. Have you ever developed a daily time with Jesus in your life? It doesn't have to be complicated. But it is vitally important. If you're going to walk closely with Christ in a victorious life, caring about the things that really matter, not having to worry about what other people think about you, say about you, are, cons- are scheming against you, the traps that they're laying before you. You don't have to worry about those things because you're walking in the power of God and the path of the will of God in Jesus Christ. I don't, but I need to be close to Christ. Have you ever opened your Bible? It's a difficult book to learn how to read. Start in one of the New Testament books. You could go into Matthew that we've already been reading. That, that's actually the beginning of what we call the New Testament. And then following Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each of those, those, those are three different books you'll find in here that, that are all talking about the life of Jesus, a great place to start. Because you can just observe, what did Jesus do? Spend a little bit of time reading. And, and pray before you read. Pray and say, God, help me to understand Just speak to me through your word and read a little bit. Try to understand it. And maybe if something sticks out to you and you maybe have a question about it, write that down. Maybe something sticks out to you, whoa, look what Jesus did there. Write that down. If you write it down, it helps it to really stick in your head. And then just take a little bit of time praying. Jesus, help me through today. If there's something you want me to do, help me to be sensitive to the sense that, that you're wanting me to do something, to talk to somebody, to apply what I read. Maybe there's something in my life that I need to be paying attention to, that your word, that's, that's walking with Jesus, that's trying to get near to Jesus. Jesus, I need to hear your voice in my life. I need to have understanding of what's going on around me. I need your word to be, to be active in my life. The promises of your word, the commands of your word, the things that you have taught, I want to know those things. I want them to be active and real and working in my life so that I'm close to you. So that what I want is the things that you want. When I see that person who really is is being evil in what they're doing, they're being oppressive, and and for me to see that person and realize, yes, justice needs to be done, and it's the justice that was accomplished on the cross, that person needs Jesus. Boy, that's a different perspective, and I need to be close to Jesus in order to have it. This week, and I challenge you, if you aren't already daily meeting with Jesus, do that. Might be in the morning, might be before you go to bed at night. My favorite time is with the first cup of coffee in the morning. We need to be close to Jesus. Because in Jesus, there is true justice. In Jesus, there is power. And in Jesus, there is hope. Lord Jesus, thank you that we have all of those things in you. That when you said, follow me, you didn't do it in a way that would require our strength in order to follow you because we can't. 
But you have provided everything. You have provided justice within our lives through the cross so that we could be made right with you. So that we could have righteousness. So that, so that when we confess our sin, Jesus, you said you are, you are righteous and just in forgiving us our sins. Washing us. Cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, I want to walk in your paths and your ways. Thank you that you have a plan for my life. For each person here, you have a plan for their life that they can walk in. And it may involve suffering, but never as much suffering as you suffered, Lord. It may involve difficulty, but Jesus, it will be a blessed walk, knowing that we're walking in the path that God has set before us, that no one can get, no one can get in the way of, that we're walking within the love of the Father, the love of the Son. We're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, miraculously moving forward, not because of any resource, not because of, of any strength, but God, because of your power. God, I pray that over this church, and I pray that over each person here, that they would walk with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
Lord Jesus, whenever we sing about crying out, holy, I think about what your word says about what it's going to be like when all of your church from all generations will worship you, will stand together in your presence, a host of voices worshiping you, will cry out, our Lord and Savior Jesus. Can't wait until that day, but Lord, I just pray that our lives, our church, would be worshiped to you. Even now in this place, in this community, God, that we would give you glory, that we would walk in your ways, we'd walk in your power and strength to declare justice to our neighbors justice through the cross through the grace of your son Jesus Father thank you for the work that you've done Jesus thank you for your love for us and your direction and your provision in our lives it's in Jesus name we pray Amen I love you church go in the Lord <laughs>